Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening. This is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following. Can the Brexit party become a long-term political force? Who should replace Theresa May as Conservative Party leader? And are you a dog or a cat person? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked you to send us your opinions on whether you think your future opportunities will be better than your parents so every generation faces challenges no matter what it is for our generations and the one and the ones below i think we have quite a large challenge to get employed and start earning our fair share today there are loads of different jobs that you could do more people are educated to a higher standard and youth unemployment is at its lowest for around 40 years but do all of those factors mean that you have better opportunities than your parents did? Well, let's find out with our first opinion, which is from Christopher. And he says, I actually think we might be the first generation who won't do as well as our parents did because the odds are so stacked against us. We are the generation that were born out of a recession and we have rising living costs like uh, the likes of Brexit and, if you're American, Trump to face. I don't want to sound like I have given up, but the odds are quite 
uh, aren't quite in our favour when it comes to doing better than the generation before us. And it will be because of these issues, which have been caused by our parents and their generation. Well, Callum, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think I um, agree with Christopher. Like, there's a lot of um, challenges that our generation is facing. I think probably another one that's, that Christopher's not mentioned there is is this climate emergency that's going on uh, at the moment. And that if we don't kind of tackle it, it's only going to get worse and more almost uh, economically costly to, to tackle. Uh, I mean, I think we should, to kind of spin it the other way, There's a there's a lot of immense opportunities that we face because of this because of 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 climate change in a sense in that um new industries are going to have to be developed to to tackle climate change to tackle carbon emissions and and if we talk about another thing which a lot of people talk about the um the kind of automotion of uh, automation rather of of labor um and jobs being essentially taken by um robots or robot um, like machines, um, that that is a, obviously a threat, and it, it puts our future opportunities potentially in jeopardy. But it's going to mean that there's more uh, high skilled jobs out there, and it's probably going to mean a kind of restructure of the very economic system which we have in this country or, or, or in society in general at the moment. Um, so I, I do think that ultimately there is a massive threat to our future opportunities. And as things stand at the moment, our future opportunities won't be better than our parents. Um, but I think what Christopher says in, in that it, it's it's the fault of the generation that's, that's preceded us, um, that although I, I do tend to part, partly agree with that i think it also shows us that we have our destiny in our own hands and that we can alter things and we can get back these opportunities if if we're willing to kind of take that opportunity i mean what do you think of that george yeah i, I think it's um i think christopher brings to, uh, to light some really important points um but i i i do Try, try to be quite optimistic about the future that I have, the future that generations, um, my generation and the generations below have. Um, and I think it's sometimes actually quite hard to try and compare the opportunities that we have today to those that our parents' generation had um, because they are so different. And you quite rightly say, Callum, um, are the, the economic kind of outlook nowadays in terms of the, the job um, front is very, very different because we have there are so many more um, people going into education, going to higher education, getting degrees, um, getting doctorates, masters. And because of this, it means that the high-end jobs are getting uh, filled a lot more and there are more spacings being made uh, around that. Um, and also, I think as much as a daunting factor of Brexit, possibly Trump, um, climate change are, um, you quite rightly say that we, again, we have to try and be optimistic around them and say that because of these things that are happening, you know, the climate change, we are trying to to reverse climate change or, or at least slow it down. And because of that, there are more jobs being created around that area. More people want to go and study in that area. And we see these things happen that right now might be problems. But try try and be positive around them and say because that's happened there might be more opportunities within them which means that we can go um further and there might be more jobs and and and, and a, a further way to to uh, develop ourselves around them 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of actual, because um, we've we've kind of both talked about how um, that there are opportunities there as well to kind of ch- change the path we're on currently and and ensure that we do have better opportunities. I mean, what kind of policies do you think um, government should be looking to implement to make it so that we we do have uh, better opportunities, George? Um, well, I mean, if we look at the government right now, I would say that um, the government is doing a very good, good uh, way, f- is setting a very good way forward in terms that, you know, youth unemployment is at its lowest in 40 years. We are encouraging people into jobs, but also um, we are, the government is putting more and more money into um apprenticeships and i think that's something we need to really truly look at as well is the vocational side of jobs um because i think for a very long time we've um encouraged people into education and we've kind of left that vocational side behind and as a government i think um, definitely the conservatives should be looking at how we can um, help with the more vocational side of 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 the opportunities uh come forward and to be more accessible for for people that that want to take advantage of them um but i definitely think we need to somehow there needs to be a way to encourage people to to get into into jobs that they want and to find a way and also to say that just because you're going into a job doesn't mean you have to stick to it for the most most of your life um i think there's a lot of pressure when you're younger to say you know you're 18 choose what you want to do right now for the rest of your life and i think that's sometimes wrong we need to have a different approach upon that um to try and see to to say look you can choose this now but there's nothing to say in 20 years time you can't change what you're doing yeah yeah um so moving on to our next opinion it's from ryan and ryan says it's going to be harder than it was for our parents uh, to do better than their parents but i think we will do better and our opportunities will be better for two reasons firstly we have technology on our side and i think we all work harder than our parents did genuinely on the technology bit we have the ability now to start businesses and careers from our bedrooms and also have side hustles which never really existed before so we can have multiple incomes when we're older on the work ethic i think because of the way school is now we have all grown up working all the time so our work ethic is totally different it is what you make of it though i mean what do you think of that george i mean especially in terms of the comparison of our parents work ethics as in parents generation rather than specifically compared to our generation yeah i i think um sometimes we have a especially our generation sometimes have a have a bad uh, kind of impression of our our generation and say that we can yeah. be quite lazy and that our ethics aren't as good as, as theirs and everything but what i think older generations don't realize is that our generation was brought up with a lot of technology and because of that we live our lives completely differently to how they live their lives um, or did live their younger lives and because of that it means that we Actually, I feel in terms of technology wise, we have more opportunities. We, we The world is more accessible. Jobs are more accessible. We can find jobs in, in Scotland or all around the world, you know. Um, and I think because of that, it means that we can do things more from sitting at a desk than they could from actually going out in the world. Um, but I think it, it's wrong to, to put our ethics down. I think younger people do have a very strong um, ethnic approach. And we, I think we are we do have a work ethic i think we really do but it's just it's a very different way from our parents um what what do you think though yeah i mean i i think that 
uh, it's kind of swings and roundabouts. It, it depends upon the, the the people that you select from particular generations. I mean, you could find someone really lazy from our generation, but you could also find someone really lazy from our parents' generation. So, although I do agree with a lot of what what Ryan is saying in in a more general sense, I think that almost a comparison of two generations' work ethics is almost like a generalization that we shouldn't be making yeah no absolutely and i'm just currently going to read um to find finalize uh this segment off and just currently read this one from georgia because it's really nice to end um this might sound overly optimistic but our future is in our own hands and we aren't a generation that is going to allow ourselves to suffer we will make our own businesses and jobs and technology just like we already are and make sure that our future is better than our parents and their parents and their parents we have all of the tools to do whatever we want with our lives and i think we will do better what a lovely way to end this segment um remember we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at uh, the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that uh, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show um but it's now time for our next song break we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, can the Brexit Party become a long-term political force? So the Brexit Party have come a long way in a matter of months. From polling in the low single figures at their early inception, they are now expected to be the largest UK party from last Thursday's European elections, with these results expected to start coming in from around 10.30pm tonight. Polling as the biggest UK party in the nationwide election is no mean feat and suggests the Brexit party could become a viable challenge to the two-party duopoly of Labour and the Tories, or at the very least become a solid third or fourth party. However, given the name of the Brexit party and their lack of policies outside of getting on with Brexit, whatever the costs, Many would suggest their fate is intertwined with the Brexit process. In short, when Brexit happens, the Brexit party will cease to have any political purpose, some argue. George, where do you stand on this? Do you think, despite these doomsday predictions, that the Brexit party can become a political force in the long term? Well, it, it feels like we're doing a bit of uh, deja vu here. It feels like um, it's, it's Brexit, uh, sorry, UKIP 2.0, when uh, yeah. we were talking about it once, uh, we vote to leave the EU, will we see UKIP rise again? And we, we didn't, but uh, we saw the Brexit party rise. Um, and I think it's it's a really, quite a fascinating discussion to have. Uh, obviously, there are many factors that this depends on whether there can be a fighting force in a general election in a... Um, once we've left the EU, whether they can actually keep going as a party. Um, and it d- completely depends on what policies they're going to bring forward, where what um, people they're going to try and relate to. Um, and and you quite rightly say that the Brexit party, due to the name, it, it seems hard how it can carry on after Brexit has been implemented. But I, I feel that just because it's called the Brexit Party, it doesn't mean that it can't carry on. Um, I mean, it, I think it's it's just because it's the Brexit Party, I think it would just remind everyone that they were the ones that helped secure Brexit. Um, and 
I just I do feel that it's it's like I wish I had a, a golden not a golden a, a white crystal ball in front of me and I could tell the future but unfortunately I can't um, but I, I think this whole thing around the Brexit party and from I'm going to bring the Lib Dems into this into uh, terms of of seat share is 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 the fact that no matter where we go forward in terms of politics we need electoral reform um, to make sure that that we can see change where um, we have these parties come in because I, I, I personally think that we should have a lot of parties in our in our democracy because not every party represents um, everybody. And I, I think the more parties we have, the more represent more representation people feel they, they have as well. Um, and if we look look back to the 2015 general election, UKIP were 13 had a 30% vote share third biggest party and they got one seat and I think that's why we need that reform to come in to make sure if the Brexit party was to carry on um, it needs to have uh, the, the reform to make sure it ha- actually had a path into politics and into the commons um, but I, I do feel that to see um, I do feel the Brexit party would always be kind of like the protest vote um, I feel like people will just vote for the Brexit party just yeah. to um make it diff- try and make a difference in terms of not voting for the main two parties um like i said it really does depend on how um they go about bringing in their policies but also i think it's important to say it depends what brexit we do get at the end of the day if we come up with a withdrawal agreement and a lot of leavers might not like it i still think there is still life in the brexit party to pressurize the government in terms of that but you know like i said we will wait and see but what, what are your thoughts do you think they can be a a long-term party um yeah i think they can be because um but i feel like it's entirely dependent as as i said in the introduction on how the brexit process goes uh i think it's it's very very likely now that we get a no deal brexit um in which case if we do get a no deal brexit um i I think the brexit party are done um because i i think uh for one the, the kind of main um uh reason that uh or however you pronounce it the the reason for being of the brexit party um will will have happened um so i I, and i don't think they've realistically got the 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 real kind of policies that 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 people will want uh or that people will listen to um to to make themselves into a long-term political force and i also think that because a no-deal brexit will cause a lot of harm to this country um to, associating your brand with brexit i think will end up being a negative thing um however i think if we if we get any kind of deal with the european union and i can see the brexit party sticking around for a bit um and, and sticking around, as as you said, there's a kind of protest vote, um, kind of tr- attempting to pull the Conservative Party further to the right, um, mopping up kind of those those votes that UKIP have got, that a lot of the more far right parties have got. I think the Brexit Party can act as a kind of a viable political home for those people, given that those parties will never stand in a, a chance of getting any seats really unless there's a massive change i also think another key factor though behind the brexit party success will be what nigel farage decides to do because i think if um if we do get a no deal brexit or a brexit that pleases him enough then i think he will stand down as leader in which case i think it's even harder then 
um, to for them to make any kind of long term political impact. So I think that's another reason why um, a no deal Brexit signals the death of the Brexit party. I mean, because you, you say you think they can almost become a, a long term political force. What's the kind of limit to their success, do you think? What, where should they really be aiming realistically? Because obviously at the moment they're polling in, in, I mean, in the European election polls as the largest party in Westminster intention polls, generally around about the third biggest party, although I have seen some where they're actually higher than the Conservatives. Mm. I mean, do you think they should be aiming to break up the two-party duopoly or, or should they realistically be aiming for that kind of Lib Dem SNP third party status? Um, to be honest with you, I think the uh, Lib Dems, uh, the SNP and the Brexit Party in some way should try and work together in terms of uh, reforming our electoral system uh, because it's yeah. the only way that we will truly be able to have representation from those parties in terms of vote share um and i and i do but i do think that it, it's it's wrong i i have to highlight i think i think it's wrong to say that the the um the brexit party are going to do are just going to accommodate the far right people because we saw it in the last general in in, two, in the 2015 general election ukip actually hurt labor more than it hurt the conservatives and i think this is a really key factor that Labour have left the working class very far behind and this party, the Brexit party, has tried to kind of um, accommodate those those old Labour voters and it's done it again. Um, I know Labour aren't polling as low as the Conservatives, but that's because they're not in government and I think that's why the Conservatives are being punished in the European elections. But I think come a general election, we would see what we we saw in 2015, where Labour would actually get hit worse than um, the Conservatives, because Labour has been taken even further left, and the Brexit Party will bring those kind of Blairites back to um, the, the Brexit Party, or um, I mean, I, you can make your mind up where those people actually stand. But in terms of where they stand in, in in a general election, I think maybe their best hopes would be to go into a coalition with the Conservative Party, because I personally don't feel they will ever be the biggest party. Um, I think the next general election will be their best bet at getting any seats. And then after that, I do think we will slowly see their seats fade away. Um, yeah. But in terms of, because uh, I think there will be a general election in the next coming year, um, and that's when they really need to target. It will be interesting to see how the Brexit Party do in the by-election that's coming up in, um, is it Peterborough? Yes, yeah, yeah. Peterborough. It will, yeah. it will be very interesting to see how that how that goes on. But, you know, we'll wait and see. But do, do you think that the Brexit Party is a party that we could see with a majority? Or do you think, as uh, as you highlighted, do you think they should be happy to sit back as the, as the third largest party and um, be on the side of um, the House that the Lib Dems and SNP sit on? I think realistically, for the third biggest party is probably the, the ceiling that they can hit under, at least under first-past-the-post as a system, because it, it does just make it so hard for any party outside the Tories or Labour with their kind of infrastructure and the kind of um, embedded voting habits of of the electorate as well um, makes it really hard for, for you to gain any kind of traction because yeah. just of the, how the electoral system works. I mean, just before we go to this uh, song break, George, how do you think this poll is going to go down? Do you think people are going to see the Brexit party as a viable long-term political force? Um, 
I don't think they will, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be 40% saying yes and 60% saying no. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think they um, will either. I, I broadly agree with you. I think 40% um, saying yes, they will be, compared to 60% saying no, they won't be. Right, then, it's actually time for you guys to vote on that. So you can vote on that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And remember, that question is, can the Brexit party become a long-term political force? And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Before the break, we asked, can the Brexit party become a long-term political force? And you guys have been voting away. Uh, 22% of you have said, yes, they can, compared to a staggering 78% of you that have said, no, they can't. So me and you were pretty wrong on that, George, weren't we? Uh, I think you'll find I actually said 22% yes and 78% no. So... <laughs> Uh, every now and then, George, every, every time you make that joke, every now and then I think I've actually remembered it completely wrong and that you actually <laughs> did. So one one day that will actually work. When you when you just said every now and then, I thought you were going to break out into a song. <laughs> later on, later on. Oh, I look forward to that. Um, right, let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And this is our multi-poll um, topic. So... Uh, we're asking the question, who should replace Theresa May as Conservative Party leader? So last Friday, we saw the current Prime Minister, Theresa May, announce when she will be stepping down as PM. No matter what you think of Theresa, I think her speech was very powerful and hard to watch. In my opinion, she w- she should be remembered for her tenacity and the amount of love she had for her country. But now she is stepping aside... It has opened up a battle within the Conservative Party to try and choose our future leader. It seems nearly everyone is throwing their name into the hat, but we have narrowed it down to just a few. Who are Boris Johnson, Andrea Leadsom, Dominic Raab, Michael Gove or other? So from those, who would you uh, like to see become leader, Callum? And if you couldn't pick them, who would be your second choice? (sighs) I tell you what, this is one of the hardest <laughs> topics that we've had to do in terms of trying to give an opinion on this one. <laughs> I it's wonder inc- why. <laughs> it's incredibly hard. I mean, I'll probably say none of the above in terms of those four. I mean, if I had to pick between them, um, Christ, um, I, I think I would probably be, be looking at Michael Gove, because I think his time as although his time as education secretary he was atrocious his in his time as environment secretary I think he's done a fairly good job inside a party that is not exactly um, deeply passionate about the environment um, and I, I think you know the kind of the way he's upheld himself in that job and the way he's actually got things done has been fairly solid. I think possibly other than that, maybe Dominic Raab simply just because he's a, he's a younger uh, member of parliament, more, more new into parliament. uh, And I think it is good to show the, these more young figures um, getting into positions of power. Um, in, In terms of other, I think, I'd possibly be inclined towards Matt Hancock, but I, I must admit, um, 
as a non-Conservative Party member, my knowledge of of all of the candidates, <laughs> other than really Boris Johnson, uh, is not exactly stellar. So I will hand over to you, George, to for you to kind of give us maybe a bit of a rundown of some of the candidates and also uh, suggest where you would like to see or who you would like to see become the next Conservative Party leader. Well, you've put all the pressure on me, I see. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so uh, let's start off with the famous uh, Boris of the Johnsons. Um, Boris Johnson, as we've all seen, he was someone that uh, backed leave. He has been a Brexiteer. Um, well, not since day one, but he became a Brexiteer. Um, he's someone that has said he's not afraid of no deal. He has only voted for the withdrawal agreement once. He hasn't so much come out about policies that he would implement as um, the prime minister and the leader of the Conservative Party. Um but I think in terms of the public vote, he would be very popular. Some people seem to love Boris for some reason. He's a very charismatic person. He's quite, um, I don't know, stupid is probably a bit harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's quite stupid um, and he's, he's very <laughs> flamboyant. Um, and I don't know, I think he would be quite a quite a, a strange bet, if I'm honest. Andrea Leadsom, for me, uh, she is someone, she's been a leader of the House for the last two years. I think she's been very good in that position. She, again, was a leaver. She's been a Brexiteer. She's been um, in Theresa May's cabinet since uh, Theresa May became Prime Minister. She has a very good record on her side. She's always said that she's stood up for the Brexiteers' values um, in the cabinet, and that's why she's always stayed in the cabinet, so she could be the voice for the Brexits, uh, for, sorry, for the Brexiteers. Um, and I think she would be able to bring the party together. I think she's a uh, a good leader. And, and also, personally, I feel a female prime minister is what this country needs. Um, Dominic Raab, a man who, as you say, is quite young. He got given the role for uh, to be the Brexit secretary. But then he decided to quit over... Um, the withdrawal agreement saying that it wasn't what um, he believed Brexit should be, even though in the cabinet he said he would actually back it. Um, but then he made a U-turn and said he didn't want it. Like you said, Callum, he is kind of fresh blood. He hasn't got that much baggage behind him. He's someone that, that would be a fresh air to the Conservative Party. He would be um, a young leader, which is something that the Conservative Party quite rarely have. Um, and I think he would be interesting to see how he would move forward. Michael Gove. You've, you've kind of highlighted Michael Gove in a, in a very good way. Um, he, Education Secretary, not the best, but he coped under a austerity government. Um, and then and then as an education, uh, sorry, as Environmental Secretary, he's been um, very good. He's implemented some very good ideas. He's had some fantastic ideas. He's a very good orator. I think he's a good campaigner. Um, and I think he would also speak up for the Brexit side of the party. Um, but I, I think from all of those, personally, um, Callum already knows my answer, but personally, I think I would want to back Andrea Leadsom. I think she's a fantastic woman. Um, she's a very kind woman. Um, I've met her a couple of times. She seems to be lovely. Um, and I and I do. I don't know what it is. I just feel as well. Uh, women prime ministers, in my personal opinion, do a lot better than male prime ministers. Um, and, and I think she would she would be fantastic. But I've, I, I have just realised that reading all of those, all of our options are Brexiteer um, MPs. And yeah. the question I'm going to ask you now is, do you think the only way forward for the Conservative Party is to have 
a Brexiteer MP, uh, sorry, PM, or do you think they could get away with someone like Jeremy Hunt, who originally backed Remain and has now said he wouldn't be afraid of no deal? Um, I think realistically they're going to have to have a Brexiteer PM um, because I think if not, we're, there will always be those allegations from uh, the kind of Brexit side of the debate that um, it was a kind of a stitch up, a fudge with putting a Remain um, a, a Remain um, candidate in as as prime minister. Um, and if Brexit ends up going wrong, I think it almost gives them an opt out. Um, so I, I feel as much as I, I think it's an an act of economic harm, um, I, I think we almost had to bite the bullet now with um, Brexit. And 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 let it happen. It, it given that the parliamentary maths doesn't look like it's now going to come down on in in favour of a second referendum, and that's realistically the only way that we could end up remaining now. And I don't think that um, the parliamentary maths comes down in favour of um, a soft Brexit either. Uh, and the kind of default is to go to a no deal. It's whether or not Parliament would stand for a no deal to happen. Um, but uh, eventually it could be taken out of their hands as well, because uh, the European Union could say, well, we're not negotiating anymore. You've had six good months to do something about it. And you've spent that time um, having a Conservative Party leader election contest not even bringing the withdrawal agreement back to Parliament and, and not really doing anything much of substance to to move this issue forward. Um, so I think just to get back to your original question, I think ultimately the Conservative Party do need a Brexiteer leader just so that we can hopefully put this issue uh, to bed. Um, yeah. Kind yeah. of. But the consequences could be quite dire for that as well i mean do you agree with me there george um i i do think that there is a um an element of importance that we should have a brexiteer uh prime minister in terms just to restore that belief in the conservative party that they will deliver brexit um but i i do also feel that the the pressure from the brexit party itself especially what which way these european elections are going to go are definitely going to kind of path the way of who will be the next um tory leader um because i mean i do think the brexit party is putting a lot of pressure onto the conservative party to deliver brexit and because of that it's making a a more brexiteer mp uh, more likely to be prime minister do, but do do you honestly think even though there are remain MPs who have now said that they respect the referendum result and they respect that they need to have no deal. Do you really think that those MPs don't stand a chance? Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it ultimately, I think it depends upon what Conservative MPs want mm. because the Conservative um, Party system for electing leader means that ultimately the the MPs will whittle down the candidates to just two that they then put to the membership. Yeah. Um, so it could end up that we have almost like a what I, I would imagine Nigel Farage and the Brexiteer kind of wing of the Conservatives would argue would be a stitch up in that we could end up with like a, a, a choice between um, candidates that don't uh, or candidates that voted for Remain 
I yeah. think it's quite unlikely that that will happen because I think there is a kind of self-awareness uh, in the Conservative Party that they can't really allow that to happen if they're going to combat the the um, the Brexit Party. But I also think there is a, a forgotten group in that, in the, the moderate kind of remain backing membership of the party, par- parliamentary party as well, that maybe wouldn't be so happy that they're trying to almost out Brexit the Brexit party. Mm, no, absolutely. And, and I, I do also think that I kind of have to say about Boris Johnson that as much as he is a, a very kind of flamboyant and, and attractive guy to kind of see on TV in terms of the way he talks and everything and funny approach, I think he would be disastrous as prime minister. And yeah. if he became prime minister, he would split the Conservative Party up even more. Um, and I could guarantee that there would be a massive split between MPs and we would see the Conservative Party become an even smaller party. Yeah. Um, so that is why... You, we desperately need a leader that can bring everyone together um, and make sure that we are, aren't are just appealing to those that want a Brexit, but also prove that the Conservative Party is so much more than just Brexit. And I think this is the, the massive issue, is that as much as I'm looking at a potential leader that can deliver Brexit, I also want to see a potential leader that can deliver on Conservative values and make sure that the Conservative values are upheld um, to prove that we're not conservative party is not the brexit party we are so much more than that and i know it's incredibly yeah. hard to, to prove that at the moment but in my belief you know we are and we need to make sure we are proving that in terms of fighting an extra election or, or anything like that yeah. yeah um right okay so it's now time for you guys to vote before i even do that Cam, who do you think is going to come out on top um i think that andrea led some Make them out on top. Who do you think, George? <laughs> I wish it would be Anglism. I really, really do. But I think it will be Dominic Raab. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I know it is. Um, right, so remember to vote for on this question. Who should replace Theresa May as Conservative Party leader? And the options are Boris Johnson, Andrew Lidson, uh, Dominic Raab, Michael Gove, or other. And you could do that with Radio.co.uk for just listen. We'll be back before you even know it. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the uh, question, who should replace Theresa May as Conservative Party leader? And the results have just come in. So the results are 90% voted for Boris Johnson, 31% voted for Andrew Leadsom, 4% voted for Dominic Raab, 9% voted for Michael Gove, and 37% voted for other. Well, Callum, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first I thought you said 90% for Boris Johnson. I was like, <laughs> we might as well give up now. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm, as I said, I, I did predict Andrea Ledson to come top. It, She's obviously not quite come top, but the most out of the named candidates. I mean, out of those, other has obviously come out on top, George. Who do you think people were backing there? Oh, probably um, someone like Jeremy Hunt. Yeah, um, something like that. But I, I do think it's quite. I'm very pleased to see that out of the Brexiteers of those MPs, Andrea Leadsom has come up on top. I'm very happy to see that. Yes, yes. 
Uh, right then, time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And the question we are asking has long been used as a barometer of compatibility in the world of love and dating, whether you prefer creatures of a canine or feline persuasion. So, George, would you say you're a dog or a cat person? Um, well, who can tell that we run out of questions? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I would say that I am probably a dog person more than a cat person. And I, I have both. So I have two cats and I have a dog. Um, and I love my cats dearly. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't know. I like that companionship from from dogs. And, and I feel they are more loyal. Um, they're more cuddly. And, and I just I just, I just just like them a lot more. Um, you can take them out for walks. Um, yeah, I, I do like dogs. How, how about you? I mean, you can take cats out for walks. I had a cat lead. I mean, the neighbours looked at me quite weird, but you can you can take them out if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I, I would say I'm a cat person. I do. I like animals in general anyway, so I, I do like dogs. Um, but I, I'm more of a cat person. I've got uh, three cats at home. And I, I just think that w- with cats, um, they're so no fuss, whereas a dog requires your attention all the time. A cat is very much you can leave them as you please. They don't kind of alter your life in the same way that a, a dog does, because, yes, obviously you have to feed <laughs> feed a cat and everything like that, but you don't have to keep going back to take them out for walks and stuff and also that they're a far more kind of independent animal as well because they can literally walk outside or most if they're not house cats they they can walk outside if if whenever they want if they've got a cat yeah. flap and things like that and i just you know i i love cats you know yeah. i think quick I think, uh, um, quick question for you Callum. let's uh let's set let's set the scene everyone close your eyes and imagine imagine this scene Callum, you've uh, you've been going on a couple of dates with this girl, Sandra. She's uh, <laughs> it's going really well. Um, yes. This is this is your third date now. You're thinking thinking about uh, maybe really treating her, going all big. Right. Um, you get on really really well, and then and then she turns around to you and says, "I'm a dog person. I hate cats." Do you end it there, or do you <laughs> think you can work on that? Oh, I think hate. If it was just I'm a dog person, I can deal with that. But I think hating cats, it, it does suggest that person's sadistic, probably. So <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm probably gonna end it there. Uh, I mean, vice versa, George. What what do you say if someone says I I hate dogs? Well, I, I would just like to say I, I'm not dating um, Sandra as well. That she's <laughs> um, <laughs> she's not double dating us. Um, <laughs> I I would say fair enough. Um, find someone else. Um, I've got better things to do, and then walk off with my dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I let the dog lick her first, or something like that. To, why to, do you have to? to why do you have to turn it weird? <laughs> let the dog lick her. Yeah, just to uh, you know, just to annoy her a little. So, bit. in protest, as you walk off in a strop, you shove a dog in her face and go lick her. <laughs> Not make. Sandra lick her, make the dog lick Sandra. No, I, I realised right. that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go to a song break, I think, on that. Um, don't forget to vote on this poll. Are you a dog or a cat person? Uh, you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Before the break, we asked, are you a dog or a cat person? 
And 37% of you have said you are a dog person compared to 63% of you that have said you are a cat person. So I'm rather happy about that result, George. How are you feline after oh, that? God. <laughs> you know, in that break when I said we can make a couple of jokes, I didn't mean jokes like that. That was awful. I, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I, it took me a while to, to come up with something as good as that, but I'm glad I went with it. Sometimes you just got to go for things, George. Yeah, I'm not, not so sure, not when they're that bad. Um, I, I am a little bit sad, to be honest with you, but all I will say is that it just proves that people that are um, like-minded, like myself, are just... that We're unique, we're special, um, we're rare to find, and, you know, people would be lucky to have dog people in their lives. Um, all you cat people are just, you know, normal and, and boring. There's too many of you. <laughs> I mean, I think I think what would be more unique is if you said you were like a like a rat person or I or... do like rats. Okay. I used you to are have rats. getting a bit more unique now, George. I used to have rats. Did you? I did. I, I had I had four rats, snakes, geckos, chickens, ducks. And I've literally had them all really. I have my own zoo. Okay, okay. I used to have a hamster back in the day, I must say. Did your cats um, eat it? No, but um, we had we had two hamsters. Me and my brother had a hamster each, and they <laughs> they were um, they were brothers. These hamsters, but nice. um, we had to eventually separate them because my hamster basically mauled my brother's hamster. He had to have an operation, and I think luckily survived and everything. But I remember cut that. open his stomach completely. I mean. Yeah. Terrible, what? terrible stuff. Never get a hamster. Weren't they the so uh, weren't they the miniature dwarf hamsters? Whatever yeah, yeah, miniature yeah. dwarf ones as well. I mean, we yeah, did I come up. Okay, right then. Anyway, we've uh, we've rattled on a bit there. Uh, thanks very much <laughs> for listening to To Be Discussed with Cup and Gur. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question. How do you think young people can be encouraged into politics? You can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter. That's at wizradio. So that's how do you think young people can be encouraged into politics? And we're looking forward to hearing your opinions next week. But it's now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always, I've been the amazing dog lover, George Lawrence Cup. And I've been the even more amazing cat lover, Callum Gurr. Uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Bye.